0: Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast, your guide for growing lawn care and landscape startups into a thriving business. This show is dedicated to helping you improve your business and achieve financial success. Your host, Paul Jamieson, is the best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash and The Lawn Care Advantage, winning strategies for a thriving landscaping business. Join us as Paul shares his expertise and passion, helping you create a prosperous future. Now, here's your host, Paul Jamieson. Welcome to today's
1: episode of the green industry podcast. We're in for a treat today. We're going to continue the talk with Jonathan Potashnik that he gave at the LCR summit on taking things that are complex and making them simple. And then once you have things simplified, get in laser focused, it's an amazing talk. Looking forward to sharing a little bit more of that with you today. Now, that's uh, Jonathan Potashnik's speech was at the LCR Summit, and Naylor's got some exciting news about the replays from this event. If you want to watch all the videos in their entirety, as well as when he's hosting the next LCR Summit, uh, what city it's in, what dates it is, uh, so be uh, following my buddy Naylor Tally Farrell on the social media for Uh, news and announcements on the next LCR Summit. Before we hear from JP, as we nicknamed him, Jonathan Potashnik, I want to let you know that the next industry event, if you're listening in real time, is happening real soon, and that would be the Lawn Care Life Conference hosted by my buddy uh, Jason Creole in Alabama, Springville, Alabama, to be exact. Uh, So if you want to grab your ticket for that event, get it before it sells out. Uh, There's limited seating at this event as Jason's actually having it on Um, His wife's family, uh, Tracy, on her family property. They got about 100 acres there uh, in beautiful rolling hills of Springville, Alabama. Uh, You want to book a a reserve a hotel, though, in Trustville, Alabama. Uh, They have a Hilton Garden Inn, Hampton Inn, Courtyard by Marriott. Those are kind of the three most reputable hotels in Trustville, Alabama. And uh, that's where uh, Jeremiah Jennings and Jason Creel live there in Trustville. It's about a 15-minute commute over to the venue uh, the Lawn Care Life Conference will be on Friday evening, Now, uh, opening keynote with Alan Hain. We're going to have dinner for you, Uh cash bar hanging out Friday night, just uh, breaking bread, fellowship in there, uh, having a good old time. And then uh, we'll reconvene on Saturday morning for a little breakfast, and uh, we'll have uh, speeches from Naylor Talaferro, Caleb Allman, uh, Jason Krill, Jeremy Vest, as well as a couple different Q&A panels where you can ask any question that you would like. And uh, we'll also have uh, a time about an hour or so after lunch outside uh, to ride and drive all the equipment that will be there from Crest, uh, all the battery-powered equipment they're bringing. Uh, my boy Colton from Ferris is bringing a bunch of equipment. Uh, we're going to have XMark there. And then um, at the end of the event, we're, get, we're doing some giveaways. We got a um, 30-inch commercial lawnmower from XMark. We're giving away. It's a $2,599 lawnmower. We're going to be giving away that, as well as a bunch of tools from Milwaukee, and all kind of prizes. So, going to be a great time in Springville, Alabama. Grab your ticket before it's sold out. Uh, that link is in today's show notes. Well, without further ado, buckle up. Get out your pen. Get out your notebook. Take some notes. Jonathan Potoschnik on the power of focus.
2: So, CityTurf. Um, I haven't ran City Turf since 2012. Maybe 2011. I got somebody that runs it. And... I started the business as a part-time business. We went from zero to a million dollars in about five years. And then we went from a million to 10 million in in five years. So in 10 years, we went from zero to a million. It was a part-time business. Um, I was happy with the growth at that time. Also, within 10 years, we were making about 21, 22% net extracted out of the business. So it was a very profitable business for me. I was very pleased. I'm not as pleased today because it's a $15 million business now. I will give us credit and say we reinvented the revenue of the business. We started out as a heavy mowing and bush and bed company. We did other services. Like I told you, we had got out on most services. So we built to $10 million roughly on mowing, bed and bush, fertilization, weed control. Fertilization, weed control is a small part of the business. Today, we only do about $3 million in mowing. Um, it's profitable. It's a good piece of the business. But we make most of our money doing fertilization, weed control, arbor care, and pest control, and irrigation. But irrigation is kind of a smaller part. It's maybe five crews or something. And it's frustrating that we are not keeping the pace of growth that we had. We, in my opinion, should be a $25 million company. But I don't run this company. I have an incredibly awesome individual in the company. He's awesome, so I'm not being negative on him whatsoever. Um, he runs an incredibly profitable business. We're missing now the marketing an aggressive side of the business. We are operationally, he is, I would start any business with this guy. He is operationally phenomenal, efficiency phenomenal, but he doesn't, and he'll say it like he just, he's his passion. Isn't the marketing and the growth of the business. He optimizes for perfection and stability and profit and efficiency and great happy team. He doesn't optimize for speed. And so when I, start, when I get back from New Zealand in March, I'm going to start working on the city turf business with him for a little bit. It's not my long-term plan, but for a bit, I'm going to do that because I need to be there with him for a little while to push. we got to go faster. <laughs> Here's how we go faster. I need to get the marketing engines firing again, et cetera. So the reason I tell you this story is what's wrong with that business, and to say something's wrong with it is not entirely fair because it's an absolutely awesome business. But what's wrong with it from the perspective of it's not growing fast enough is we're missing a key person inside that business. It's somebody like me. It's somebody that is a growth-oriented, go-faster, push, push, push kind of person. What I have is a great operational management. And together, if I were to actually work this business full-time, Philip and I are a wonderful pair. I think we could go build amazing companies together. And if I were to go build amazing companies, I'd love to do it with him. The reason for that is I have absolute respect for him. I have absolute trust in him. He is exactly the kind of person I want to work with in life for a million different reasons. But I need to be there to challenge and push him. If Philip wasn't in City Turf and it was just me running it, we'd have a whole different set of problems. And so having Philip be very operationally strong is really makes for a great team because then he slows me down. So where I want to go faster, 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 next idea, Philip's like, wait a second. I'm like, no, no, we need to slow this down. I've got to people over here. i got to train these people. We can't do that. i got to actually fulfill what you're about to sell. And so he slows me down and I speed him up and together we make a great team. So when we talk about the people component of your business, like performing the work, in the early days, you just need to get the technicians to go out in the field and, and do the work. Then you start to need some management. I can tell you right now, the shortcut, just the quick answer is, when you're going to 3000000 million, you're two. Outside of hiring people to do the work, your two most important hires out after that are who is answering the phones, doing the billing, helping with the scheduling, selling over the phone, things like that. That's your, some office people you start to add. And then for the majority of this room, not everybody, Your other most important hire in the business is an operational manager. And so oftentimes, going back to my story, us is on, we're all wired different ways. Some of us are very operationally strong and we're not, we're missing the sales and marketing component. Who do we partner with? Who do we bring into our organization to push us in that area? Many entrepreneurs tend to, Again, this is many, but not all. It's not required. It doesn't even mean you're a better entrepreneur if you do what I'm about to describe. Many entrepreneurs tend to love to live in the future. They tend to jump around more. They like the next shiny object. They like the next idea. It's part of how you became an entrepreneur. Um, And they're notorious for building their business somewhat quickly and then hitting a plateau and never getting past it because there's too much switching cost going on inside their business. They're jumping from thing to dang. They're jumping to the next idea. They're pivoting like, oh, wait, I have a buddy. Oh, I heard about this guy, Jordan. He's doing decks, decks. That's the thing. That's the break. We're going to do decks. And they're jumping around. And then you look back, you're like, why is it been 10 years and we're half a million bucks? Because we kept changing the plan. And that creates all kinds of chaos inside the organization. So I told you a story of me and Philip being the ideal team. What you're trying to, as once you start getting past the building, just having the the team members that produce the work, now you have to think about this. And you can get to low millions of dollars with very little management, operational management and office team. And that's about it, to be frank, because you can outsource marketing. I would encourage you to not fully outsource marketing. You can outsource accounting. There's like so many things you can outsource. You can keep this thing somewhat simple if you've simplified your business model. And, but as you start to get into the millions of dollars, now you have to start thinking about where are the gaps in the business? A gap in any business I start is operational strength. And it's not that I don't know what to do operationally. I hate that stuff. I hate having to show up every day and do the same thing. I hate having to show up every day and have the same conversations. And I need people that will show up for the next nine months and just make it a little bit better, a little bit better. It's the old, can you just become 1% better every week or every month or whatever that saying is? I just need them to show up and make our world a little 1% better. I do not need them starting a new division or trying out a new line of equipment or whatever the other ideas are that Jonathan might have because he loves going fast and new and change. And, And so you have to find, figure out who you are and then you have to build around you. And you have to figure out who your key and people are and what are their strengths? What are they good at? What do they get energy from? What are they like? Build around them. Does that make sense? I know this is that part there is starting to get a little higher level. So the reason I told you again that CityTurf story is it serves all probably the same thing. I hired a COO from the beginning of that business because I learned that that's who I need with me to build a really good company. Who do you need with you? Because here's what's probably happening. You're tired. There's a lot of stuff you don't like. You're frustrated. Your business is never going to get big if it requires you do the 90 activities that you hate doing. Why? Because you won't do them. You'll procrastinate them. And so why do you tell yourself next year is going to be different? We're going to do that next year? Because when you say next year, it's immediately a relief to you. It's as though we've accomplished it. It's a, it's a, like a, you get that dopamine hit. Yes, it's going to be better. It's fixed. I feel good now. But no, nothing changed. All you did was, you know, kick the ball down the road and think you're going to actually do it. It's kind of like all of us trying to lose weight. I'm going to start in a new year or whatever that thing is. If you feel good about it. Like I got a plan. I feel good about it now. And then new year comes around and we make it eight days. Then we feel like crap again. It's because there's a big gap between the telling ourselves we're going to do a thing and getting the end result. It's the doing. Well, a lot of the doing that is required to build these businesses are things that we all do not want to do. They take all of our energy and the life out of us and our passion. And so no wonder our businesses don't get big because we will not do the things we've got to do or we won't get good enough at doing those things. There's a very simple solution. It's hard because you got to come up with the money and it takes a little time. You hire all the people to do all that stuff. So in the early days, if you are an individual that does not love the operational side or doesn't show up and think about it all the time, that's your first hire. One of your first key hires is getting an operational person. And it might just be an operations assistant at first. Just somebody that can kind of run the equipment around, go take equipment to the team when it breaks, go pick up supplies, go do an inspection on a property. Uh, Miss Smith is upset about something, go out there and hope, you know, if they're good enough, maybe they can have a conversation with her, but at a minimum, they can at least go inspect what she what you heard over the phone, you don't have to do that. There's all these little activities that are 10, 15, 20, $25 tasks that you can hire somebody to get, you know, 30% of the stuff off your plate. You don't have enough money to hire a, whatever the operations manager will cost, but you can get an assistant. That person may grow into be being a manager. They may not. And then when you have a little more money, and really it's not like you have to have their $70,000 person or $65,000 person. You don't have to have the money in the bank. You just have to have the cash flow to support them. You'll write that check each month. Then you go get that person. When you get that person, now 40% more things are off your plate. Now your brain's only thinking about, you know, sales and marketing or growing the business or whatever the case might be. And the thing just starts picking up speed. The way we pick up speed is all about building people and team. But again, that can seem intimidating. But the reality is the early days are who can produce the work? How do we sell the work? And then when we have too many people, it's like, wow, this is quite a burden on me because I'm really distracted. I'm not spending enough time actually selling the work or finding the people. I need to get operational help. Oftentimes before that even happens, you hire somebody in the office. That's really the progression. And I'm telling you, with a one to two office people, depending on the complexity of your business, an operations manager and you, outsourcing a number of other tasks to experts like Your bookkeeping and accounting. You'll build this company $3 million as long as you're not doing too many services and they're not too complex. It's, I mean, that's why I say it's kind of that simple. It's not, it's really hard. And we got, it's hard because we got a lot of things we have to learn to be able to do what I just described. And so the reason I tell you this is, it is imperative that you get really focused on those two things, people and marketing. Everything else is noise. I mean, you just got to be hardcore about saying what is the most important stuff. And then looking at yourself and saying, I said the most important thing is getting great people to work out in the field. But am I spending one hour, five hours, 10 hours a week on that? What am I like? Am I congruent in what I say is the most important thing and what I do, how I live my life, how I show up? And if you are only spending a couple hours a week on recruiting, but people are the most important things, the individuals that will actually do the work and having them so you have confidence to even sell more work because you believe you'll be able to produce it. If that's the most important thing, where's your time being spent? Okay, so we haven't really talked about how you hire people, but I want to tell you one more story around this. So hiring is horrible. It's, I don't think I have to tell anybody that. There really aren't a lot of, incredible people that are just easy to find. But there are a lot of incredible people out there. They're just not easy to find. So your competitors all have them employed. And every time they get scared, they're going to leave, they pay them more money. And so it's hard. Also, the general trend is, this labor problem isn't getting fixed by some possible recession that might be coming, which I'm not sold on is coming this year. And there's not a, like, labor's got a little better, but it's not about to get freed up. If you think about macro trends, where is the world going? Labor, even with or without recessions, is not about to become widely available to us. The demographic trends, the changes in our, our country are such that we don't have a great pool of labor coming. The great pool of labor's parents are telling them, should you be in programming? Should you be working a white-collar job? Whatever the case is, they're not telling their kids to mow lawns. To trim bushes, to do HVAC, whatever the case might be. I I thought I heard recently that the average age, and this could be totally wrong, of a, a master plumber is like 57 years old now in the United States. All right, we've got a systemic problem in this country. This isn't getting better. All right, so the reason I tell you that is if you're waiting for magic and we're just gonna kind of wait till that recession comes and all the people get freed up and then we'll start growing this company again, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Not coming. That's my belief. If, if labor gets massively freed up, we have a different problem. You're going to have a really hard time selling work because <laughs> we're in a mess. You know, that's, that's the way I think about this. All right. So we have all the same problems you have. City turf would say, we haven't spent a dollar on marketing in seven years. City turf would say, um, yeah, our bottleneck is we can't get enough people. And this is one of the reasons why I want to get back involved and help them. We can get enough people. It's just expensive and very difficult. So two stories. And I am thinking I'm going to go about 10 minutes over. Where's Marvin at? Marvin, 10 to 15, okay? If I do it? Okay, thank you, sir. All right. Um, if, so, I used to be part of this cleaning company. We cleaned movie theaters around the country. We cleaned all the major movie theater chains in 22 states. Uh, that was the company that preceded CityTurf. Uh, my business partner in that company is the one that said, if you don't like it, why are you doing it? Kind of thing about, you know, the lawn care business. And um, our model in that business was, and some of you might have heard this before, the model in that business was we'd win a Cinemark in Ohio or we'd win a, a Cinemark movie theater in California, and when you're cleaning 20 or 30 auditorium theaters. There's only so many of those. They're all spread out the com- throughout the country. You don't build density. You don't build offices in Ohio to clean the you know, 20 theaters in Ohio, whatever that number is. So what you do is when you win a theater and you get a contract, you put a guy named Rudy or a guy named Oscar on an airplane, you fly him to Ohio, they go to McDonald's, they go to Walmart, they go everywhere that somebody that might clean buildings might live or have a family member that does it and they pass out cards and brochures and they talk to people. Do you know anybody that would like to clean, uh, that needs a job? And then you collect names and phone numbers And you give out your phone number and you say, if you want to have a job, meet us at 1130 on Tuesday night at the Cinemark on this road in Ohio, you got a job. And we have 30 people that show up. And we train 30 people how to clean a Cinemark. We only need six, maybe seven, depending on how many auditoriums. We train 30 people. And while Oscar or Rudy lives in Ohio for the next week, they mentor these 30 people. And by the time we get to the last day, we have let everybody go except the best six. And we have picked one of those people and said, you should own a business. We want to help you own a cleaning business. And these people now all work for you. Here's, the shirt, here's your shirts. Here's how you set up a business, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't have to pay us anything. We just put them in business and give them a vision And now they're cleaning the Ohio theater. And if they do a great job, we went to another Ohio theater. We're like, hey, got another theater. I can help you find six guys, seven gals, whatever. Want to clean that theater and be that one too. Some of those people become district managers and they manage 10 theaters and they live on an airplane and they fly around. Like that was how we built that business. Think about that. Yes, labor was a little bit easier back then, but there was different sets of problems with labor back then. So this is like 2004 to 2008 that's the time frame of this business um and when i was involved in it and um we solved the problem we had no choice there was no other business model to hire and recruit city turf city turf says "Ugh, we can't build this business we can't handle all the leads we get we can't build this business fast enough not enough good people Then we don't get 130 H-2B visas, something like that. People in 2017, I think it was. We don't get them, and we don't we don't get told we're not getting them two months in advance. We get told at the beginning of March when our season is starting they're not coming. I can't. I don't remember. I'm getting it a little bit wrong, but roughly that was. It was a disaster to the point that Philip says the station, the company is "Mm, maybe we need to give away about six million dollars in revenue to our competitors because I don't know how we're going to serve it. Well, that's, a, that's just, and again, I'm, I'm being a little dramatic here. Philip didn't really want to give away $6 million, but that was the conversation. I'm like, well, that's kind of the dumbest idea I've ever heard. We just spent the last many years building this. There's no way we can do that. And he agrees. We got to solve this problem. But he's thinking, this is going to be the worst next month of my life. And he was, probably was the worst next month of his life. And, uh, but we're going to figure this out. And we, in 30 days, hired 100 people.
1: Synced Live 2024 in Atlanta, Georgia, is the premier event in the green industry that showcases unique products and solutions for your business. From top industry leaders sharing their knowledge through engaging presentations to networking opportunities with top industry brands and fellow attendees, all on the showroom floor. Get your tickets at SyncLive.com and join us this February in Atlanta, where landscape design, build, and maintenance come together under one roof.
0: Start your journey from simply earning money to creating a long-lasting source of income today by scheduling a free 15-minute phone call at thelandscapingbookkeeper.com.
2: And we had the highest number of complaints we'd ever had in the business. Um, We left a gate open and two incredibly awesome young dogs got killed. And we now, a monument at the SPC in Dallas in a building (laughs) and a whole bunch of other stuff to make that right, and... Things went wrong, but we kept six million dollars in revenue, and we kept growing the business, and we learned a lot. And my point is, we say we want something, but we don't take massive action to go get it because it's not easy. But then, when life goes wrong and we're back, our backs to a wall, somehow it's magically now possible. And I'm telling you, it's ma- it's possible to get team members and build a company. So if one of your compromises is there's no good people. I, I'll settle for a new dream. We'll keep this small and I'll pivot and I'll go start a different business or whatever that story is. It's BS. You can get the people. Your competitors are getting the people. Brickman is not a multi or whatever the Brightview now. They're not a multi-billion dollar or revenue company they are because they can't get people. They get the people. I, CityTurf gets the people when they need them. There's lots of really big companies that get the people. It's possible just going to have to spend more of your brain power and time and a little bit of money on this problem. Okay, last big item here. So I talked about the people part. The other side is the marketing part. I want to close the loop real quick on two things on this people thing. One, I think I was clear on this. As you're building, you are one person and you need people around you that can do the things you hate, don't like, suck the life out of you. That's an important, really important thing to know and think about the rest of your business career. How do we fill gaps around us so I can keep my energy up, my excitement up, and keep my foot on the gas pedal because I've got other people helping me do things? I'm hiring. I'm built. It takes time because we don't, you know, it takes time to accumulate the money or the cash flow to be able to do it. But who are these, who's the next most important person on the team to get stuff off my plate? Okay, that's one concept around people. The second one that I didn't explain and I want to Is I want you to kind of imagine you have these two machines inside your business. There's two machines that are firing, or it could be kind of like an assembly line inside a manufacturing plant. So imagine you're Frito-Lay, and you've got an assembly line and the chip. The potatoes have to be sliced, and the potatoes have to then go on the conveyor, and they got to get fried or whatever they do with them, baked. Then they got to get seasoned. There's all these steps. If one of the steps breaks, as an example, if they don't get fried properly, then they don't get to the next step, which is seasoning, which slows down the entire line. Well, there are two similar concepts. There are these two machines in your business. One machine is the people side, the producing of the work, the engine to bring the people into my company, the, the engine to, it's part of the same engine, to train them and mentor them and grow them into being able to produce the work that we sell. And then the other machine is that of sales and marketing, getting the work. So these things need to be in balance. And this is why your brain needs to be freed up to work on these things. As an example... What happens is if we're really strong at marketing or we have like in COVID, there was lots of lead flow. Like, wasn't that hard to sell a lot of work in COVID? A lot of businesses grew, not because the businesses were great, not because we were geniuses, because there was a macro trend in the world and people wanted to spend their money. And so our businesses grew and things went good. Macro trend ended. Now we're like, wait, where'd all the leads go? My marketing company sucks. Those SEO guys are terrible. I'm firing them. Like we've got all these new narratives, but yeah, the market changed. And So in the moment when tons of work was coming in, that machine was just kicking butt. It was firing. But was your machine operating to go do all the recruiting and find the people and train them? And if it wasn't firing and it wasn't spinning, then you couldn't take a lot of the work that came in. And so you didn't grow the business like you could have grown the business. And if you don't believe that you'll have the people, you don't spend the money on marketing. You don't even bother getting good at marketing to sell the work. The inverse of that is you're really good at getting people, and there are a lot of people that want to work for you, but you don't have the engine to produce the leads and drive the business. And so you never hire the people. There's a confidence game here. If you're going to hire people, you got to believe the work's going to show up. And if you're going to spend the money on marketing, you got to believe you can get the people. And if you don't have faith in both of those things, you keep your foot on the brake. Because like, I can't take more work. We shouldn't spend more money on marketing because I don't know if I can get the people. Make sense? And so this again, why, and this is why the business, is, this is the entire game. There's two things you have to think about. How do I get the people? How do I get the work? And that's pretty much the only places you need to live for many millions of dollars of revenue. And you got to figure out how to get those two things to some degree in balance. The way you know if you're doing this is back to what I said earlier. Are we spending an hour working on marketing and we're spending, you know, five hours, 10 hours working on people? Like how much, where's our time and effort going? So really post today, think about that. That's your, there's a machine in your business. One is people, one is marketing. How do we get them in balance? And they will never be in perfect balance. You're like, we got a little more people. We need to get some more clients. Ah, we've got a lot of leads. I don't have enough people. Like these things will constantly get out of balance as you grow. That will never change. And so you're kind of bouncing back and forth working on these things. All right, last item is the marketing side. So we talked about the engine of people. Now let's talk about the engine of marketing. And I'm going to keep this kind of simple. I know, I think Keith is going to talk about this. Um, I'm going to also do this a little bit different. I'm going to do this since this is a content creator event. I'm going to talk about this a little bit from the perspective of content. So many of you know me because of Service Autopilot. Many of you know me because of Long Care Millionaire. Long Care Millionaire was created to be a lead channel for Service Autopilot. It's the only reason I did it. And um, I found out I liked it, but it's the reason I did it. And I had no idea how successful it was going to be having such a, entire, such a small channel, how incredibly successful it would be. When I started Service Autopilot, or pretty quickly in it, if you came into our organization, and you, uh, you went through our onboarding process as a team member. We had a six-week onboarding process to coach you up as a team member inside of the business. You got this uh, document from us that laid out where we were going, what the goal was in our business, what we were trying to accomplish inside the industry. One of the things that document said was that we, at the heart of our organization, is teaching and training, And the way we build our core strategy to grow this business is through teaching and training or a content strategy, because that was the heart of our business. Not only to grow the business, but also once you became our member to try to help you get more than just operational efficiency through software, but how do you grow your company? That was the heart of the organization. That's how we thought about who needed to be on the team. That's how we were going to grow this business. We wanted to have the, the document said that, and we had a date, I don't remember, we want to be able to look back on this date and say, because service autopilot existed in the green industry, the green industry is different. You don't do that by just creating a software tool. You do that by being the heart of your organization, being coaching and training and teaching. And so this long-care millionaire thing, while very small, built a coaching business. It built tens, and, tens of millions of dollars in revenue. It contributed to it in the early days. It really almost single-handedly brought in our first, not really single-handedly, but it was the single biggest uh, channel that got us to our first thousands of pilot clients. It was incredibly successful. Having had that experience, I, my lens on any business is, how do you create authority? How do you, and, and you create authority, how do you create influence and authority? So I try to solve, and I shouldn't do this, but every problem that comes to me, I want to solve it by solving, uh, I want to solve marketing challenges through authority and influence, It's the the single most cost-effective lead channel inside an organization. You know, it costs a lot of money to do Google ads or eventually Facebook marketing or door hangers or whatever the thing is you do. If you look at your data over time, the single cheapest way to acquire clients is through content. That build and that is uh, over time, builds authority and influence in your market. And so because I want to solve every problem that way, I want to create that side city turf. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But but that experience I had, a lawn care millionaire being the single most important marketing thing I did for a long time inside uh, Source Hall Pie has really influenced me. Also, we were, back in the day, we were really good at constantly communicating with our clients via video. Not everybody watched it or saw it, but we were good at it. It was uh, even, for, from even a non-selling standpoint, we did a lot of, video communication with our clients is where the I did quarterly updates for years. Here's what we got done in the last quarter. Here's where we're going next quarter. Here's what we're anticipating that is coming in 2013, that kind of a thing. Okay. Just so successful. So I'm going to kind of hold that thought for a moment, but that's when I think about marketing, I would say, how do you put that in your business? There's a million different things you can do to market your business. And I just want to tell you, this is why I said I want to keep this kind of brief. I just want to tell you what the most important things are, especially the most important things when you don't have much of a budget. The most important things, I believe, are content. And maybe it's not, it's not a podcast necessarily. It's not even a YouTube channel. But it's, it's answering the questions of your client via video and via a blog post. I'll explain that just a little bit more with an embedded video on your website. There's a lot more needs to be done around this. I'm keeping this kind of basic, but lawn care millionaire was nothing more than <laughs> the idea was the tagline of lawn care million was ideas to make you a lawn care millionaire. I was never saying I'm the lawn care millionaire. I was, but it was not about me. It was actually about you. It was Long Care millionaire. How do I make you a lawn care millionaire? I, you have a question and a problem. I want to try to help you figure that out and answer. That's all that channel was. That channel would not work today. YouTube's too competitive now, but that's all I was doing. And the reason it worked is because you are getting an answer to your problem. Your client who wants to buy your lawn care service, your pest control business, your whatever business, whatever business you own, they have a million questions. And they call your company for these questions or they, to get answers, or they never get them answered. All those questions should be content. They should all be answered. And without going into a lot of detail, the there's a guy I know named Marcus Sheridan. I've brought him in to speak at a couple of my events. He's got a book called you ask, they ask you answer Buy that book. Um, I mean, you could probably summarize that book down to like six pages, but basically your client has a question. Why do you price so high? Uh, do you do this service? What months should I install these flowers? What kind of flowers should I buy? How do you kill mosquitoes? Yeah, those should all be videos. Now, when you're talking to your friends who are creating content in the business space and have a million video views and your video has like 3,000 views, you're going to feel like this is a waste of my time. It's not because even if you have a small number of views, they're connecting with a very specific audience solving for a very specific problem. And it's very scalable. So one of the fundamental things that needs to be part of your marketing strategy is creating content. One more thing about that. There's a million SEO, this is my opinion. There's a lot of SEO companies selling SEO SEO is really actually a content game. SEO is not about constantly getting backlinks anymore. It used to be, and it's not about constantly optimizing your web page. It's about creating content. So a lot of companies are spending $2,000, $2,500 a month. to actually cut part of that budget, and pretty significantly if they just start creating content. All right, so what are a few other fundamental things? Content, reviews this is not going away moving into the ai world reviews are just going to become more important how much of your time is going into capturing reviews and getting reviews this is this is very durable like what you the amount of time you spend on content the amount of time you spend on reviews will pay you for the rest of your business it's going to hold up and going to last so it's where you allocate a lot of time building a referral system to get your clients talking about it not just a way in which you encourage referrals. In CityTurf, we had a gift card strategy where we, and I won't, I'm not going to go into the whole detail, but we, we, we had this thing we called a gift card strategy, which is how we want to get our clients to refer. We give them something that they can give to others, and that person can save 50 bucks, but then we also give that client a gift. We had a strategy to get referrals. It put uh, in referrals. This is a, the outside of content, the second cheapest uh, way to acquire clients so it's another area you spend time on developing trucks uniforms signage like if you don't have that like that is that is step number 1 and it doesn't have to be fancy it just has to be clear your stuff has to be branded has to be like the idea that it's not is a massive misstep if you haven't done that yet and you don't have to get expensive about it find the cheapest company and can spray your truck and then find a sign company where all they have to do is you know the vinyl and it's not wrapping the truck. It's just a sheet. This is incredibly imperative. The last two I would leave you with. Think about obsessively. How do you wow your clients? So you get them referring and you get them talking about you. Like really spend the money to invest in making them really happy and providing a good service. Because over time, that is how you create a brand. You create a brand because they constantly see your trucks. They see more and more of your trucks in the neighborhood and the people in the neighborhood talk about you as being really good and high quality and dependable and you build on time and all those other things. It takes a little time. It's an investment in the future, but that's how you build a brand. And the next, the last item, which is these are all the absolute cheapest ways to grow a business is you, and you, you do go out and you do Google if you can afford it. You do Facebook if you can afford it, ads. You do door hangers. You do all these things if you can. I'm just giving you the bare essentials, like the non-negotiables in my opinion, That are very inexpensive. The other one is you sell back into your client base. Now, this goes slightly against the idea of simplifying your business. So, for some, you might simplify your business down to just pest control. Okay, there's nothing to sell back into the base. I mean, other than like maybe there actually is ant treatments mosquitoes. Those are typical add-ons on pest control and they're sort of our termites. Those are add-ons. So that's something you could upsell. Or maybe you do pest control, fertilization, weed control, and you do one other service. How do you constantly talk to your pest control client about adding fertilization, weed control? So you're thinking about how do I grow the revenue of the business? The cheapest way to grow the business is sell more to the clients you already have and expand that way versus going and getting the next client. Now, saying you don't go next client, but that's the big stuff you want to think about. So, In wrapping this up, the thing that I would... So for marketing, I think I was clear on this. Those are the basics. You have to do those things. So many other things we could talk about for hours and hours. But since this is a content group, the thing I would like to challenge you on is, and I do not have the answer for this, how in the world do we build a content strategy for Miss Smith, who is buying pest control, lawn care whatever plumbing, whatever the service is in Dallas, Texas, or in Nashville, Tennessee. A little tiny piece of that strategy is what I described as answering their questions via video. That's a piece. But that's a piece where Miss Smith, and maybe more like her husband, even though she is driving the conversation happens, when Bob calls you, it's because Miss Smith said, we gotta get this done. And Bob's like, I ain't doing it. But Ms. Smith run in the house, and she's your buyer, whether you talk to her on the phone or not. So Ms. Smith does not give a flying flip. My advice is every, you have your team or you, whoever's answering the phone, when you're out selling, you're documenting everything they're asking. That becomes part of your content strategy. Yes, 100%. And so we're trying to build a content strategy that is more than miss smith or bob has a question about how do i get rid of mosquitoes and he consumes a video maybe one time or maybe when he becomes a client he consumes another video or two because we are sending him marketing and if he's interested in that thing maybe fire ant treatments he watches a quick video on understanding that service he's really not like, miss smith is not tomorrow saying Man, i'm really going to follow that city turf channel i can't wait to find out you know how we take care of ants or you know, how to do some service ourselves. She couldn't care less. She'll never look at it again until she has another problem. She needs an answer to a question. How do we build the thing from a content strategy, tra- strategy that she cares about? Like, and the ways I think about this, and I do not have this answer, and I'll just give you the punchline here. I want to solve this problem. And if, because this is a content creator room, if you want to solve this problem, because I think this is the, a, a massive, would be a massive leap forward, I want to talk to you on the phone and I want to figure this out. So if you ever actually put a lot of time into this and say, okay, as a content creator, how do I build this for my service company? Not educating other service companies. How do I do this? I would love to talk with you. And I think about it in terms of if my wife is scrolling on Facebook, she's looking at, we have bulldogs. She's looking at bulldog videos or French bulldog videos. She's looking at, maybe a cooking video. She's looking at some kind of a husband and you know, I've seen her watch these husband and wife things on Face, on Facebook where they're doing funny things and are laughing. I don't I don't watch them. I don't know what they look they like I just she doesn't watch the same stuff I watch. And so I need to get my head and my team needs to get their head in our buyer is generally a female. What does she care about? I have 16 females in my office. How can I make them part of my video story and my ta- content creation? How can I bring personality to that business. I think that's really smart. I think that's smart. You can also use ChatGPT to give it a Yeah, very good. We uh yes, the goal would be how do I stay in front of them in the most cost-effective way? Stay in front of my market. Miss Smith is my general potential future client. She's my buyer. Rep. How in my market do people keep thinking about us? Yeah, it's part of like, I'm not a big branding person per se, because we're just in a small market. But how do I stay in front of my market and stay visible to them so that when they have pain in three weeks and the pain is I need this pest control problem solved? They think of CityTurf because they see the trucks and they're constantly seeing us pop up in their social media feeds, whatever those feeds are. And I tend and video to me is I love audio because there's no greater thing than having somebody listen to you in their ear for an hour. It's incredible. But I also love video because they feel like they know you. They feel like they have a personal relationship with you. And so how do I create those, those things, but nobody's doing this. I tried to ask this question yesterday. Nobody is doing this successfully because it's really hard because they don't care about our businesses and why should they care about their, our businesses? So what is that content? You know, I'll give you i uh, I'll uh, one, one more example here. Um, you know, I think about how can we create contests. I don't have again, I don't know if these are good ideas. I'm just trying to brainstorm it. How do I create contests where um they're sending in pictures their 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 the cutest dog? And we're running those videos and then we're awarding a prize. and our clients are competing and that's going on our social media or their kids dressed up at Halloween or a cool event they did in their property or whatever. The, how do we get them to become part of even the content story where they share it and other people look as like, oh, that's cool. That's fun. You know, like a mom's dad's too, but moms care about that. how you're dressing your kid up for Halloween. You know, they think about these different things and they will consume some of that content. Like, how do we get our heads around that? Okay, perfect. So if you guys keep working on that, I would love to talk to you. So that was my kind of a, I'm going to say one more thing, but wrapping this up, that is my challenge to you since this is a content event. Nobody is doing this right. Even Marcus Sheridan, who is creating, you know, went around teaching the concept of owned a pool business. How do you educate the market and help them understand buying a fiberglass pool versus whatever the typical pool is? That's just a teeny piece of the content strategy and it's great and it works really well, but it's not enough. And so how do we solve this? All right. Thank you. The last thing I have for you, Marvin, do you, you want to give up five more minutes or do we need to get going? Are you sure? All right. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Let's spend five minutes on this last item. And I would like you to really spend more time on this. If you're flying home on the airplane or this Again, on Sunday, if you've got a few minutes, um, it's the bottom of that original page. At the top, you wrote down what are what are some of the areas where you're compromising and you're... And it was from a business perspective. It doesn't have to be a business perspective. It shouldn't be just a business perspective as we move forward here and you brainstorm this. But what is that dream that you five years from now? You want to be solely a content producer and you don't even want to be in the trades anymore. Or you want to build your business to some number of millions of dollars so that it can better take care of your family and you want an operational person running the majority of it where you spend about 15 hours a week on it and you're predominantly living in the world of content creation. Or maybe it is that I love content creation, but what if I could do that for my services company? And and as a company, we do that and I build a really big company that we could sell someday or that will... uh, who provide such an incredibly different life for myself that I can't even imagine what that might look like. What is that? And again, these are all business things. You should also be thinking about where, how am I showing up as a dad? How am I showing up, or a mom? How am I showing up to my team? What are the areas where you're not showing up the way you want to show up that may not be about building a bigger business? And when you say, if you were to wake up in five years and you were to see your life, this is what I would be like this is what my family would look like. These are the things we say are important as a family. These are the things I are important as a friend, as a kid to my parents. What, these are the things, this is what my business looks like. These are the kind of people I work with. This is the kind of group I'm in and the peers I'm surrounded by. This is what my, like, what does that look like in five years? And then how do we stop compromising? How do we start taking the actions that can actually build it? Even if you don't nail that, even if you get within 70% of it, but uh, in five years, you wake up and you say, I have been congruent with who I believe I am and who I say I am. You will be happy with yourself. But if in five years you wake up and you say, I said I was a person that was in shape and high energy. I said that I was going to be at 60% of my kids' games or maybe coach my kids' little league team or whatever that thing is, but I didn't do it, you will not be satisfied and you will not be happy because you you weren't congruent with who you think you are. So I encourage you to go for it. So maybe make some notes about what five years from now looks like, but keep working on it after we leave here. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thanks again to Naylor for inviting me to the inaugural LCR Summit. I got to speak at the event. It was an awesome time. Mr. Producer made his first debut at an industry event and uh, lots of laughs were shared. If you missed it and you want to watch the replays, uh, Naylor's got videos of Jonathan Petoschnik's talk, Marvin Salcedo's talk, John Pajak's uh, budgets, break-evens, bottom-lines talk, uh, my talk, and, and, and much more uh, on the replay there. And be uh, Stay in tune to all of Naylor's social media. He'll announce the next LCR Summit. Uh, It's going to be in a different city on different dates. And uh, hopefully you'll join us for that one. I'm planning on being there. Well, as I talked about at the top of the broadcast, if you haven't already got your ticket for the lawn care life conference, if you're listening in real time, it's happening very soon, February 23rd through 24th. So grab your ticket before it sells out. Uh, The link is in today's show notes. And that's going to be a Friday evening. And then all day Saturday, uh, February 23rd through 24th, 2024 in Springville, Alabama. You don't want to miss this event. We got all kinds of giveaways. Networking opportunities um, and a lot of uh, expert speakers uh, talking. It's going to be fantastic. So, looking forward to returning to Sweet Home Alabama for the 2024. Lawn Care Life Conference. It's going to be bigger, better than ever. Let's go, baby. I hope you will join us at that event. Well, thanks for listening to today's show and hope to catch you on the next one. Hey, it's Paul. Is it time to elevate your lawn care business with Jobber? As a field service management software, Jobber has been a game changer for me since 2019, streamlining everything from quotes to payments and making customer communication a breeze. Tap the link in our show notes and see why over 200,000 home service pros trust Jobber to grow their business. Click the link in today's show notes or visit goodjobber.com forward slash Paul to learn more.
0: Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.